This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick Bites. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite Quick Bite. Um, this one, we have a question. It came from a Facebook. It was from John Knight Bowers, and it was directed at you, Robbo. He said, I'm just starting out in VO, but have a Pro Tools rig with roots in music, demos, etc. We'll be interested to hear about the full chain for VO and the pros and cons of outboard gear. I've noticed most in people in VO are pretty much mic interface computer, but I have to think an extra link like a pre might be of benefit. Who wants to go first? I think that's a question for George, isn't it? Straight out of the box. You know, I, I, I because I am not an audio engineering purist, I tend to believe that you can nowadays record directly into interfaces without using outboard gear. It's getting so hard now to differentiate between boutique and really quality high-end front-end preamps, you know, like, or standalone preamps, like a Grace M101, and, and then comparing that with what is now inside the box. They're just so close nowadays that when I'm setting up a studio for a talent, I always go to the direction of simplicity. If you're an engineer, though, and you know how to use your gear, I don't see why you wouldn't use the tools you have available to you. I have a Droma 1960 in the studio here that I do use. Um, I don't use it with the 416. I use it with the Neumann 103. But yeah, I mean, I swap and change. Personally, I, I do do both. And probably as George is talking about, like if, if I'm doing a radio spot, if I'm voicing a radio spot here, I'll just stick the 416 up straight into the back of the 002. Um, but if I was doing an audio book or if I was doing a podcast or if I was doing something else like that, I would go to the 103 through the 1960 and then into Pro Tools. So, yeah, I, I chop and change. Hang on, you are doing a podcast. What are you using? I'm sitting on the 416 because I'm a lazy uh-huh. and I can't be bothered setting it up. <laughs> See, there you go. So what do you reckon, Robert? Well, I, I think that um, if you want to go there, absolutely. I think that George is right that gear is getting... Great, and so you're 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 getting into like not even that last ten percent, but you're talking about the last five percent, or re- really just the minutia. And so the question doesn't like the question sort of begets another question, which is, well, if you're going to get a different mic preamp involved, you know, well then also why not a converter? I mean, all these things powered up by USB, that's not great for headroom and for all of that. So. Sure. I mean, line up your best mic, 416, if it's for, uh, you know, uh, for voiceover, and then put it into your favorite mic preamp that suits you. If it's a John Hardy and you want something bright and fast or something a little bit warmer, like a 1073, and then, you know, if you're trying to get the best out of it, well, then you probably want to go with an external converter, some, you know, like a, like a Apogee Rosetta or something that's got power right from the wall and not going from your, uh, your USB on your computer, and certainly every link in the chain, if you can improve it, by all means do. And as you do that, you're probably, you know, the convenience factor drops and the complexity factor increases. So it's, um, you know, what what sounds best for the amount of effort that you want to put into it. But I wouldn't disagree that lining up your best mic with your best preamp and your best converter is ultimately going to somehow in some minutia sound a little bit better. Does it make a difference in the overall industry of, you know, radio, advertising, industrials? It it might not apply as much as it does to something like music, 
movie ADR, you know, uh, books on tape, things like that, that are a little bit more permanent in nature as far as their, uh, the longevity of the material that's being produced. Well, the only thing that I'm, as you know, use outboard stuff, except when I'm not here, but uh, I don't know why I like it. I don't, I'm not an engineer. Probably doesn't sound that much different if I was working in the box. Um, I like to have a choice. So, I don't know. I just like to have a real 1073 because they sound great. But at the end of the day, I guarantee that most of the people that receive the files from me wouldn't have a clue what I'm recording on. A lot of it's for our own enjoyment as yep. producers. You know, yep. and when you're a self-voice actor, when you're a voice actor these days, half the time you have to be a producer because yeah. there's nobody else doing it. So, you, you know, it's up to you as to how good it's going to sound and how much effort you're going to put into achieving that sound and what efforts you're going to make towards that goal. And are you going to use standalone gear? Are you going to use a channel strip? Are you going to use uh, the Universal Audio Apollo and use UAD plugins? You have a lot of options and choices and you just have to go with what you think sounds good at the end of the day. Is it painless to operate for you if it's a no-brainer and you can get the job done on time, meet a deadline and move on to the next? then that's the right gear. If you're futzing with it every damn time you have an audition, that's not the right gear. You have to be very efficient and fast. And some people are doing 30 to 50 auditions a day sometimes. I think the other thing to remember too is the flexibility to be able to, to manipulate audio in the box now so much more too, as opposed to you know what it used to be like with just analog gear. That's the other thing. You can do so much more with it now once it's in the box even, can't you? Yeah. How, how much of it's psychological? You know, if if I am a voice actor and I am on a, you know, a 416 or a U87 with a 1073 and I've even got maybe an LA-2A after that and I'm feeling that I am giving something that is sonically better, not just because of my performance, but also because of my chain than my competition, does that give me sort of the psychological footing to feel that I am, I'm, you know, able to market myself better and and be more you mean confident. the placebo effect of high-end gear Pretty on much. voice acting? Yeah. I mean, does it exist? <laughs> I don't know. Performing I mean, um, for the microphone? <laughs> I've certainly had clients tell me, you know, on occasion that they upgraded mics because they just always wanted to have a certain mic. And now they have that mic, you know, and, and it's the closest thing besides headphones. It's the closest thing that you're, that you have to you when you're acting. You're staring at the thing practically. So, you know, I can't say that there's not some kind of effect on some people. Yeah, like, you know? like performing for that mic. If it's a $6,000 mic, now you're, in, you're performing for the, the Queen of England or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like sure. maybe not that, but, you know, like this, is, this makes me feel important because I've, I've spent a boatload of money on this mic and I, I've risen to the occasion. I think, look, I, I agree with that. If you walk into a booth and there's, a, you know, a U47 hanging in front of you, it's not going to change particularly the way you do your job, but you certainly feel like you're a bit special. So, <laughs> well, it's assuming you know what it is, right? I mean, it, yeah. There's if if you are someone that has an engineering background and chops, then it does matter to you. Yeah, you know, you, you will think about it. You it, it can mess with your head a little bit if it's if you knowing if you know that you knowingly chose substandard or lower end gear. It, yeah. I could have an, an effect, but if you're an actor from the acting school and, you know, you've got a background in theater and television, you're not going to give a rat's ass. Yeah. 
what's in front of you. You know, you have no idea. You're just, you're just acting. So I think it's different. It's very much based on the perspective of who this person is and what their background is. Well, the funny thing is I did go to a session, I, I was a couple of years ago, and I walked in and there was a, a 416, 416. And um, the guy who owned the studio walked in, he said, oh, no, don't use that one. And then opened up a box and pulled out a beautiful Neumann and said, no, we're going to use this one for you. And of course, then I felt really good. You know, it's like, it made you feel special. It eh? did, because he's... They made, didn't just use the mic that's on the stand collecting yeah, dust. Yep. They pulled out a mic out yeah. of a box. And exactly. for you. Yeah. I, I, I think there is something to be said for it. I, I think that um, probably more so sometimes in, in music circles, but uh, you know, if you're playing through a certain amp, and maybe it doesn't actually sound different, but then you are feeling inspired because you're playing through a... 1965 Fender and you're like, God, this sounds better than I've ever sounded before when maybe that's all in your head, but that reinforcement just makes you play better. And maybe there's that that little, you know, maybe we are talking about the little 5% difference between the built-in emulated preamp of a 1073 and a real 1073 or whatever it might be. All those little 1 and 2 and 3 and 5% differences add up to maybe an overall better performance and better recording. Yep, maybe. And But then again, I do. And I also remember it was a friend of mine called up and he said, I've just received a file um, for this thing I'm working on. He said, I don't know what, what they're using, what sort of microphone they're using, but it sounds amazing. And uh, I found out who he got it from. So I called the studio and said, look, I've just been talking to someone who said how incredible the, the sound of the microphone was. What have you got? They went, ah. And they just bought the um, Telefunken U47. And I'm not quite sure what the preamp was, but I know at that time it was a $20,000 chain. And you could hear it. It was. It sounded amazing. If you've got everything else nailed, like your acoustics are beautiful, your mic technique is spot on, your noise floor is down to below minus 60 or 65, you've got all that stuff nailed, Yeah. then yeah, man, it's going to make a difference. You know, it's, you you compare that up with a, a you know a, a Rode NT1 into a Scarlet or the whatever the Rode AI thing is, then you may hear some differences. You know, that's where it's going to make a difference. But for someone whose studio isn't dialed into that extent, that difference is going to be lost on you. Or there's cool. better places well, to put that effort. Well, hopefully we've answered our first ever question, fellas. Yeah, I think we have. Hopefully we've hopefully we have anyway. Yeah. So on that note. We'll uh, head off for another week. We'll see you next week with another Pro Audio Suite. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Uh, The Facebook page is the Pro Audio Suite podcast. Leave your questions there and uh, keep on listening. Adios. Goodbye, goodbye. Wipe the tear, baby, from your eye. Though it's hard to part, I know. I'll be tickled to death to go. Don't cry, don't sigh. There's a silver lining in the sky. Bonsoir, old thing, cheerio, chin chin, na hoo, toodle-oo, goodbye.